The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather together this Sunday in August 2020. In the spirit of one who sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, and when and as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Today's service of worship includes the sermon, New This Week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
pray with me? Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As our choir leads us now in the singing of the traditional Kyrie, I'd invite you to meditate in the silence of your hearts on those times when you have fallen short of the glory of God. We confess our sins. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 28. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, he came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to him, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then what we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life, Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with the sleeves that he wore, 
and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips, and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalms 105 with the antiphon. To the Lord, call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then he brought Israel out with silver and gold, and there was no one among their tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought the quails, and he gave them food for heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the wealth of the peoples, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. stand as we are able for the singing of the glory patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Glory to you, O Lord. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, 
they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. A few years ago, I was blessed to be able to go to South Africa twice in two years. The first time to visit my seminary classmates' family, and the second time to be part of a pilgrimage led by my seminary classmate and friend, the Reverend M. Paul Tutu. There were many memorable stops and pauses of heartfelt and spiritual reflections. We visited the church where the initial hearings for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission took place. I sat in my friend's parents' living room while listening to firsthand the accounts of Anglican priests who had to leave their homeland they loved in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness as their lives were in imminent danger because they had chosen to speak out against the apartheid regime. Making lighthearted conversation on leaving Cape Town in the night to arrive in North Dakota for the duration of their exile. But the most memorable was the visit to Robben Island. If you recall, Robben Island was used by the South African government as a prison for political prisoners, the most famous prisoner being the political activist and future South African president, Nelson Mandela, who was imprisoned there for 18 of the 27 years he served behind bars. When you leave the mainland in Cape Town, one is graciously ushered onto a nice, well-appointed boat. A few minutes after you set sail, a voice comes over the loudspeaker with the words of welcome and a warning, warning about the choppiness of the waters ahead. As I am from Michigan, I know firsthand the choppiness of the Great Lakes, which we jokingly described describe as the liquid sandbox, but nothing had prepared me for this. I literally had to keep my eyes fixed on land so that I would not get seasick. The up and down motion of the boat was so severe. Once on the island, we were met by a guide who had served time as a political prisoner. Our entrance was through what would have been through the eyes of a prisoner. When prisoners arrived, it was in a boat no larger than a covered dinghy. Their mail was read and censored by guards. We stood in the courtyard made famous by photos. Actually standing in President Mandela's cell, a cell probably no larger than six feet by four feet that contained only a mat and a covered bucket. We were then taken to the limestone quarry 
where the men labored in the hot sun. The reflection of the limestone burning their eyes as they were causing permanent eye damage. Afterward, we boarded our bus and went to the opposite side of the island where we drew, drew, drove through the officer's family housing complex. We eventually ended up in what would be described as the officer's club. A beautiful light and airy house with a beautiful veranda where one could look out over the water toward Cape Town. Located a mile from the prison and yet another world apart. The choppy waters that separated prisoners from humanity and the choppiness that separated political prisoners for whom their only crime was to seek equality in their land of birth. The choppiness of life, the fear, the faith for a better tomorrow. It is so easy to have faith when the waters are not choppy. If that is our definition, definition of faith, then the challenge of today's gospel lesson is to crush any doubts we might harbor as whether or not Jesus walked on water. The problem with that understanding of faith, as simple and clear as it is, is that it leaves a great many honest, devoted, loving, and committed Christians out. Today, there are many people who simply can't crush their doubts about walking on water, but nevertheless maintain a faith in Jesus Christ that is strong and vital. This is possible because we think about faith not as the willingness to believe that certain things happen in the Bible exactly as described, not as doubt crushing on a grand scale, but as a profound trust in God, a trust that persists even when, in fact, especially when understanding is incomplete. It is a trust that gives birth to this willingness to give ourselves over to God, even though we cannot see the outcome of our lives ahead of time. This is faith. And in this sense, faith is not at all about doubt crushing, but is instead about embracing God in the midst of all the doubts, uncertainties, and ambiguity of life. This is the sense in which I understand faith, and it is therefore the sense in which I want to speak about our gospel lesson for today. I believe that Matthew's purpose was not to report in an amazing and unprecedented event, but rather his purpose was to illustrate the profound contrast between that deep tr trust in Christ which I am calling faith and giving into fear. When we look at the passage in this way, it illuminates an important aspect of our lives, not just as Christians, but as people. The situation in the passage is quite fear-inspiring. The disciples are caught in a severe storm on the lake with the wind against them while they are still far from shore. Jesus comes walking toward them and quite naturally they assume he is a ghost, perhaps come to get them. At this point, he assures them that it is he and calms their fears. To make the contrast between faith and fear more marked, Matthew adds, the episode where Peter leaves the boat and starts to walk toward Jesus, but then, overcome by fear, begins to sink. The question is not that, the question is not whether or not Peter believes that Jesus is walking on the water. As he starts to sink, he cries out, 
Lord, save me, proving that he knows exactly who it is out there on the waves. The question is whether or not he has the trust and confidence in Jesus to sustain him as he attempts something he knows he cannot do on his own. The answer to that is no. He does not have that much trust and confidence. He does not have that much faith, and so he sinks. This, to me, is the crucial point of the story, which illustrates Matthew's proclamation of the gospel in this setting. Fear paralyzes us. It makes us incapable of acting purposefully, and so we sink. Faith is energizing. Knowing that God sustains us gives us the capacity to do things we never would have tried otherwise. When discussing my sermon with my mother this past Tuesday, she remarked, talk about how COVID-19 is stressing everyone out. You know, preach on faith and fear. It's a timely discussion. It's where we all are rooted right now. At Boston University, the president, provost, deans, medical professionals, and other decision-making entities on campus have taken so much into account over these past five months. Fear has informed our decision in so many ways. Is it safe to travel by air? What are the best times to do routine errands such as grocery shopping, going to the bank, not knowing what and when the next shortage of whatever is to occur, and in the middle of a pandemic, the fragility and murder of black and brown lives. But we don't have to look too far to see faith-filled moments as well. A socially distanced hello, a get-to-know-your-neighbors gathering, the immense artistry of bread making, the phone calls to the elderly, supporting our local restaurants and businesses. When we are in that spot caught between faith and fear, we are right there with Peter outside that boat, beset by fear, yet called in faith. Many times in my life, I have watched as fear won out and paralyzed me so that I began to sink. Other times, I have discovered the capacity to act in faith, believing, even knowing, that I would indeed be sustained. All I am saying here is I hope that every one of you can say the same thing. For if you can, then you understand this story perfectly because you have lived it. You have experienced exactly what Peter experienced in that boat, and you know the difference between the paralysis that comes when our fears went out and the creative and life-giving action that arises when faith emerges triumphant. Noted pastoral care professor and licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Shanita Walker-Barnes, wrote this week, fear is not the antithesis of faith and truth, nor does it indicate a lack of trust in God. Since COVID-19 began to make its presence felt in the United States in early March, there has been a lot of talk about fear. Or rather, there has been a lot of talk about avoiding fear. We have nothing to fear but fear itself, Franklin Roosevelt's words spoken at his first inauguration in 1922. This could also be America's official slogan. Americans speak of fear as if it were an enemy to be vanquished, 
rather than a normal and perfectly natural emotion. The COVID-19 pandemic has revealed our cultural fear of fear as so great that we would rather engage in risky behaviors and reject public health precautions than admit to be afraid." End quote from Dr. Burns. This is how the faith-fear coin really works. It is the willingness to consider things that I can't believe actually happen. Neither is it the ability to deny all our doubts and fears, to pretend that nothing is the matter when clearly something is. It is, in other words, not the process of doubt crushing in either of these senses. Faith, instead, is the capacity to trust God enough that we are willing and then able to attempt that which we knew we could not do on our own, to try that which seems beyond us. From faith emerges the willingness to face our doubts and our fears without being overcome by them. It is the trust that enables us to pursue our path even though it is uncertain and the outcome very much in doubt. Faith is what gives us the ability to live life creatively and fully in the very face of that which would otherwise leave us paralyzed and inert. Matthew illustrated this aspect of faith through the story of Jesus' walking on the water and Peter's effort to imitate him. It is a wonderful story, but faith does not mean that I somehow have to contrive to believe that it happened just as it was told. After all, both Mark and John tell it differently and make different points about it. Faith instead is that which enables me to say that I am not particularly concerned about how this story arose, for it has told me something true about my life with God, that it is become I because I succumb to my own fears, that I become paralyzed and unable to move, and through trust in God that I discover the capacity to go on when it seems that I can't do another thing. Regardless of how you view this passage, my prayer is that you will realize that there are times in your lives when you are in that boat, you are those disciples, you, are, you indeed are Peter, caught between your fears and your faith. Because if you can do that, then you will understand this story perfectly well and will know also the huge difference that faith makes. You will know something else as well, that even when fear wins out, as it so often does, Jesus is there to bring you up, to put you back in that boat, so that in due time, you will once again have the opportunity to discover in the midst of the doubts and in uncertainties of life, the kind of life-giving energy that faith brings when we finally use it as it was intended by God for us. Let us pray. O oh God, who breathed life into all, who hovered over your creation, calling it good and loving, all you took on flesh and came among us, living and suffering as we humans do, loving us sacrificially beyond measure. We live in strange and painful times when some choose to discount others worrying only about their satisfaction, living only for personal gain and comfort, thinking that they 
were not dependent on others. You took on a human body to demonstrate love's consistency and eternal presence. Your word abiding with us even now, while we shelter and tremble with fear, sharing our sorrows and wiping our tears. Lord, renew our love for one another. Help us to see you incarnate in neighbors. Help us to see the stranger as our family. Your love alight in every human being. Amen. Confident of your care and helped by the Holy Spirit, we pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. For your whole church throughout the world, give courage in the midst of storms so that we see and hear Jesus' calling. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. May we follow Christ wherever he leads. Lord, 
in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the well-being of your creation, protect waterways, forests, lands, and wildlife from exploitation and abuse. Help the human family endeavor to sustain and be sustained by the resources of your hand. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the nations and their leaders, in you, steadfast love and faithfulness meet, and righteousness and peace kiss. May nations in conflict know the peace that is the fruit of justice and the justice that is the path to peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those in need, everyone who calls upon your name will be saved. Accompany all who are lonely. Hear the voices of those who cry out in anguish and support those who are frustrated in their search for an affordable place to live. We pray for those who are suffering this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our Marsh Chapel community, you gather us today and we thank you for this gift. We pray for those who are new to our community, for students, faculty, and staff preparing for a new semester, and for those struggling with unexpected hardship. Supply us generously with your grace for our life together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give you thanks, O God, for the saints of the whole church from all times and places, and for the saints in our lives and in our community whom you have gathered to yourself. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the certain hope that nothing can separate us from your love, we offer these prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now, as our Lord and Savior has taught us, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen.
Lord God, bless the gifts that are offered unto you this day and help us to remember the power of your love and sacrifice as we continue to give you with full heart ourselves today and in the days to come. In your holy name, amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.